over the next couple months, we have an incredible sponsor that I'm going to keep telling you about. It's Yukon River Knives. Yukon River Knives exists to support missions work in rural Alaska by providing outdoor enthusiasts with premium quality knives. A portion of every purchase goes to helping advance the gospel in rural villages in Alaska. Featuring both handmade and high-quality production knives, Yukon River Knives has curated some of the finest and most useful knives in the market. Go check out their products at yukonriverknives.com and enter Shepherd's Crook at purchase for a coupon code and a 15% discount. As you guys know, in the past, I've worked with Buck Knives. Now, I love Buck Knives, but there's a difference with a knife like that, a mass-produced knife, and the Yukon River Knives. When I think about Yukon River Knives, I'm thinking about a knife that I can give down as a legacy piece to one of my grandsons, and I'm looking forward to that. Also, their small game knife is going to be my primary knife that I use for whitetail season this year and for my boar hunting trip in the early spring. Their knives feel great in the hand, and you can just tell looking at it and the feel of it that it's a well-balanced, great knife with a sharp edge, and it's going to last for a lifetime, and not just my lifetime, but multiple lifetimes. Yes, you can go buy another stock knife, or you can check out what Yukon River's doing and get you a nice, quality, premium knife that you're going to be able to hand down to your grandkids. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. Come alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today. I'm talking to my good buddy, Joe Hearn. Joe, how's it going, man? It's going good. How about yourself? Good. Hey, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get to know you a little bit. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for a brother and a friend. Thank you for uh, just the years now of getting to know Joe and and Chelsea and the family, and uh, thank you for their friendship, and and now they're back uh, closer. God, thank you for the, the different moves and transitions that they've gone to, and you've been faithful in each step of the way, and so we're thankful for your faithfulness in our lives, and Pray you'd lead this discussion, and it, it prayed be a lot of fun, and we trust that you're going to lead it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell people a little bit about yourself and your family and then what you currently do, because I'm going to put some uh, links in the show notes to what you do as well for those that could be beneficiaries of your work. So why don't you go ahead and uh, bring us up speed on who you are, man? Uh, yeah, my name is Joseph Hearn. Uh, I go by Joe. Um, I am... 32 years old. I a I'm trying to think here. I'm a military brat. Recently relocated from Louisville, Kentucky, to um, a small town outside of Owensboro, Kentucky. And from here, I just operate my graphic design and uh, branding studio. So uh, it's called Decree Design Co. And it is a branding and design studio. So I focus on all aspects of graphic design as it comes to you know, marketing materials, uh, package design, anything like that when it comes to physical print materials or, or digital advertising design. But then my specialty is branding. So I do a lot of uh, branding and rebranding, bringing not just a logo to a company or an organization, but providing them with all aspects of visual identity when it comes to color palettes, um, ancillary design. Uh, any type of support design that would go to backing the brand. So it can be as large as, you know, marketing signs or as small as a business card, put together style guides, you know, select uh, topography and fonts and make sure that all of the 
the visual consistency that can be had is in existence for a company. Um, I've married for almost 10 years. I have a son named Theo and I have a daughter named Emery. That's awesome. basically catching you up to speed. Heck yeah, man. All right. So I first met you, you were doing some stuff at Pleasant Valley and it was either, you know, back when we were in Sojourn, Pleasant Valley is still in Sojourn, but we were, I think at a, did we first meet at a pastor's conference at Sojourn or did we first meet in like a hangout get together in Owensboro? Where was it that we first met? It was, so I was in the process of planting a church uh, on the west side of Evansville. That's and in what it was. That process, yeah. And in that process, I was filling in um, for one of the pastors at Pleasant Valley on their sabbatical. And I was FaceTiming in or Zooming or whatever we were using at the time. Yeah. To the Monday pastoral recap meetings. And I called in, I called in and one of the pastors who was taking my call had you showing on the screen when it popped up. And I was like, that's not, that's not that pastor. <laughs> Who's this guy? And then you called me, you had like a two and a half or a three hour drive home that day. And you uh-huh. called me, you called me on the way home just to kind of get to know me. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then we got to hang out at For the Church a few years ago and had a great time. Oh, Ross Dress for Less. Yeah, Ross Dress for Less, baby. We had to go get some, uh, I think I got some shorts or a flannel or something. I don't know. But man, we had a lot of time, a lot of fun with Josh laughing. And, and I guess is Josh still in Owensboro or where's he at now? So Josh was in Atlanta for a while and okay. he just moved back. Gosh, I think he's been back for like a year or a year and a half now. I can't remember. I actually talked to him yesterday and okay. um, he is, he's doing really good. He took on a journeyman position as a plumber um, and he lives out in a really small town about 30 miles outside of Owensboro. But yeah, he's doing great. He seems good. to be super happy and yeah, Man, so he's good. back. Yeah. Good deal. Okay. So you guys got married about 10 years ago. So you got married kind of young. I mean, you got married at about 22, 23, something like that. Yeah, I was 20. I just turned 22. Yeah. Okay. Well, where'd you guys meet? Did you guys meet at church or how did that happen? I was in college um, and I was taking classes for, uh, for Western Kentucky, but I was taking them, you know, in, in the local community college because they had like a connection program or whatever. So I was still working at Lifeway. I had finished up high school working at Lifeway Christian store. I ended up having a zoology class with my wife's sister. And then she came into Lifeway with Chelsea and her dad one day. Um, so I was like, Oh, you know, she has a sister. Didn't really, didn't really have interest until probably, I don't know, five, six months later, because I found out that someone that I worked with was actually friends with her. So I was like, oh, hey, you know, you know, that person that came in that one time, that kind of <laughs> right. thing. And then um, we ended up having the same person cut our hair and we didn't know that. And then she kind of let the cat out of the bag, like, hey, this guy, he's he's kind of interested in getting to know you. And then at that point, you know, like I said, the cat was out of the bag. So we uh, we connected and yeah, here we are. Nice. 10 years of marriage in October and 12 years together in January, I guess it is. Nice. Have you guys entered the camper life yet? Did you get a pop-up? Did you end up getting one? Oh, we did not. And here's the, so, you know, we've been trying to build a house. Um, We started in February before we even listed our house for sale in Louisville. We started having the conversations with contractors and the bank and everything and being self-employed, they kind of look at us like the plague, you know, it's not an easy process. They can't just, you know, look at a W2 and be done with it. Um, 
so we started having those conversations and everything was going good, but it was taking like nine weeks here to get this estimate from this contractor, five weeks here, six weeks there. Just everything was becoming chaos. Well, we got the final contract, uh, the final estimate like three weeks ago and contacted the bank and we had the difference between what the bank was going to loan us and then what it cost to build the house. But there was a bunch of other requirements and the bank was not happy. And so here we are not building a house now. Uh, we have, well, it's not a bummer because we now are in the process of getting ready to close on a house with 25.4 acres. Oh dude. Heck yeah. That's incredible. So So the house, so the land that we had that we owned to build the house on, um, I've been talking to my dad, we're going to start a pumpkin patch and see if we can monetize it. Dude. (laughs) Heck yeah. That's incredible. So are you going to start, are you a hunter at all? I can't remember. Do you hunt? I'm, I'm, I'm not, I grew up hunting with my dad, uh, but it just never, bro. It just never took up. <laughs> Dude, let me just tell you, watch hunting public, watch the hunting public. You can find it on YouTube. And I don't know what, I don't know what happened to me, man, but I've been overtaken by hunting over the last like three years. <laughs> and, and, uh, I hear 25 acres and, oh, bro. I mean, if deer are like they are in Kentucky here, I mean, it's pretty much, even if there's no water, I mean, deer are just everywhere. I mean, if you got 25 acres, there's deer there. And, uh, man, that is so cool. So are you, what are you going to do with all the property then? I don't know. Um, I really, I really don't know. We've been thinking through that. Um, my mom and dad have a bunch of chickens. And so dad, you know, he hatches chickens and he'll sell them or give them to people or whatever. So we're getting our chickens hatched and then they'll be laying by February. So we'll have chickens. Um, I've been trying to convince Chelsea to let me get an alpaca just to yeah, have. Yeah, 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 man. Um, we've got, we've got an alpaca farm near us. Yeah, but she's like, you don't need that. I'm like, do we need <laughs> anything really? You know, um, but I got a taste of uh, competitive shooting. A lot of people don't know that, but I've gotten a taste of it and I really enjoy that. And so I'm thinking about putting a small range somewhere nice. on the property. Um a good friend of mine really got me into it. I did my first competition right before I moved from Louisville. Very cool. And had a blast. So I'm thinking maybe doing something that can kind of help me tighten that up a little bit. Nice. So handgun or rifle? Uh, that competition, that competition was handgun. Um, but I'd like to get into some like match stuff if possible. Yeah. It's, it's fun. If you've not done it, it's a lot of fun. That's cool. Well, I mean, with 25 acres, I mean, you could put a 300 yard, I mean, range in there. I mean, if you're not all hilly and woodsy, but yeah. I mean, that's great. Um, okay. I remembered as we were talking, it was the community scene where that Chinese dude went, huh, gay. <laughs> and <laughs> we were dying laughing that whole trip to Kansas city and had a blast of that. And, uh, did that over and over and over again. Was it that community? Wasn't that what that was on? Yeah. I mean, we, we've laughed about that. I think more than once, but, yeah. um, so that show, I could never get into that show there, but that's one of the scenes that is really funny because he gives <laughs> this long, like this speech and it's supposed to be like heart wrenching. And then that guy just in the background. So funny, man. All right. So let's talk about some ministry stuff. You were leading in worship for a while um, and wanted to, you were a co-pastor of a church, of a church plant for a while. And did you finish seminary or were you at Southern for a designated period of time or how long were you there? Did you finish? I did not finish. I am a dropout, gladly, proudly vocal dropout. Um, you are a seminary dropout, man. Wait a good. There should be a, yeah, I think, 
gosh, I think if I remember correctly, I think I had like three semesters left because I I switched. You know, when you're at seminary, they want you to get the biggest, longest, most expensive degree that they have. And I yeah. had switched two or three times. I think it was, I think I had the initial one and then I switched. And then I think I was switching again, but I, I had like three semesters left on the one that I had finally decided like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be the one that I, I graduate with. Um, but yeah, I, I quit. I just, I, I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Absolutely done. Well, I mean, yeah, part of that. Drop out. Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but you're kind of naturally a kind of a cynic and have mm-hmm. a funny humor built built around that. Um, with seminary, let's just throw that around a little bit because I know you did go through some seasons, and I think everybody does, where there's just frustration. You see, kind of the machine of what ministry is supposed to be, but then what the, the machine that it can be, and big Eva stuff, things that just get really frustrating and leave young, younger guys or guys like ourselves in ministry scratching our head, wondering why is it this way? You know, why are things the way they are? And so I, I know you've gone through that and some of that anyways, but you found your niche now doing decree design and all that you're doing with that. And God's using you in that and you're loving that. And Somehow or another, though, you navigated all these those questions. And so let's just start start with seminary as a whole. I know we can't talk about every seminary. I know there's multiple seminaries there in Owensboro. But so why why drop out? Like what led you to the point of saying, okay, I've, I've got what I can get at this point. Um, now I'm going to I'm going to do this other thing full time and I'm going to be done with this. So like what, what led you to that point and why are you kind of glad glad that you transitioned out of that? Yeah, I mean, I guess to answer that question, I got to back up a little bit. I felt called to do some form of ministry. I wanted to be a touring musician for the longest time. I think anybody that I grew up with, even if I haven't talked to them in years, if you were to ask them back then, you know, what did he want to be? A professional skateboarder or a, you know, touring musician that was in like a Christian rock band or whatever. Professional yo-yo as well. (laughs) Yeah, I've got one right there, actually. Um but yeah, so I felt this like calling to um, be in some form of ministry. And and I think the biggest thing I would say is, is and because we'll probably get into this conversation too, but when it comes to feeling called to ministry, I don't, I think as Christians, we are naturally called to ministry. I mean, the Great Commission is right there. You know, that's not just given to pastors or seminary students. Um, so it's not that you're not called to ministry that I question, I question the application of that calling, I think is the best way to to describe my feelings around it. So fast forward, um, I start leading worship for youth groups, and then it eventually moves into, I'm, I think I'm 19 or 20 at the time, and I'm asked to become the worship leader at the church that I'm at um, for the main, the main service. Um, and then next thing I know, I'm in an internship coaching thing with Pleasant Valley, and then they send me out. I'm on staff at one church. While I'm on staff at that church, I think, hey, you know, I've done the internship. I've done a lot of self-learning, but I, I want to get some formal education. So I, I get accepted to seminary, and then I'm in that for a while, and I'm there, and then I'm planting another church through a crazy situation. I get pulled out and asked to plant another church with with another pastor, and I'm in seminary the whole time. And it just wore me out because I was finding that there was a crazy disconnect between kind of the academic scholarly aspect of seminary versus 
the real world application and the real world, real world situations that I was finding myself in as being a pastor at a church plant. Um, I had a professor uh, for New Testament one and the whole entire semester, the whole entire class, we're going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the last day of class, he says, now that we've spent time going through the gospels, let's talk about how to apply these pastorally. Mm. And I thought to myself, I needed this the entire time we were going through Matthew, Mm -hmm. Mark, Luke, and John. I didn't need that the last day of class. I needed that the entire time that we were going through these. So I'm dealing with these situations and at the church and in trying to figure out, okay, how do I apply wisdom to this and all of this other stuff. And then I feel like I'm not getting what I need at seminary. There were great pastoral godly men at seminary. I'm not trying to run everybody down there, but I start running into all these students what do you want to do? Oh, I want to go on and get my THM. I want to go on and get my PhD. I want to go on and be a this or a that. They've been in seminary for like a year tops. Some mm-hmm. of them, I talked to one, they'd only been in for three months and they're talking about all these problems with churches and all these problems with church plants. Here I am actually dealing with life situations. And what I found was just a constant burning out within my soul. My Mm. family was starting to suffer. My wife was just drowning at this point. So you were working Um, full-time, planting the church, and in seminary. Yeah, so I was doing graphic design, like, supplementally. Supplementally, is that even a word? And then I was planting a church, and I'm going to seminary. And my son is born in the middle of all this at some point. I can't remember. I think it was, like, a year and a half to two years into seminary. He's born... And I'm just, I'm getting burnt out. I can't right. do this. And, and we're getting into these, you know, in class and in the forums, the, the forums and stuff, we're getting into these debates over these ridiculous issues. Meanwhile, I'm having to deal with things that pastors actually have to deal with when it comes to dealing with, you know, fellow sinners mm-hmm. and helping them, you know, become more like Jesus. And all the while I'm trying to do that, I feel like I'm becoming more unlike Jesus because I'm just burnt out and I'm tired. So I thought to myself, uh, I think the C.S. Lewis quote, you know, I don't remember how it goes, but it's something like, uh, we don't need more Christian authors or we don't need more Christian authors writing Christian books. We need more off like Christian authors, just writing books or something like that. I'm sure it's yeah. been quoted a hundred thousand times wrong, <laughs> but I thought to myself, I thought to myself, like, can I be a faithful graphic designer? Mm-hmm. Is that is that possible? Is it possible to be a graphic designer uh, who is sold out for Jesus and sold out for the truth? But like, I'm just doing graphic design to the best of my ability to the glory of God. Um, And I didn't really feel like I was hireable in any other facet. So I just thought, Mm -hmm. well, hey, let's give this a go. Um, And it was just a giant leap of faith. It was between moving to Washington, D.C. or moving to Louisville. So we moved to Louisville and I just started Oh, you there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah, cut I mean, out. Can you hear me? So, yeah. Okay. I'll splice this together. So it was either moving between Louisville and moving between DC, pick up there. And yeah, so we decided to move to Louisville because it was a bigger city, kind of close to family. And yeah, I decided to make, give it a go and, yeah. and try and do that. Yeah. How many years ago was that then? So that was, we moved December, 2017 and decree was officially formed uh, like, 
Okay. So how's it been going since then? We're about four years in now to decree full-time and is it going well? I mean, you like, like working for yourself, you like building the company and, and how's everything been going? Yeah, everything's been going great. I mean, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, I've had people tell me that I was privileged to own a business. Um, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. You're a white when male, you're... male business owner, man. I mean, is there any higher privilege? <laughs> triggered um anyways <laughs> yeah like and honestly like because I'm such a cynic and because I grew up with a skateboarder mentality and stuff anytime someone tells me not to do it and want to do it even more anytime mm-hmm. someone thinks that I'm gonna fail it makes me want to do it even more actually to kind of back up I had another person who was getting ready to graduate seminary the dude's in his 40s you know he's getting his first job And he basically told me that by wanting to become a graphic designer, I was like subpar essentially. um, And that I wasn't pursuing what God really wanted me to do, which was be a pastor. And he said, he's like, he he called me a tent maker and uh, said, I needed to pursue ministry again because God doesn't want you always making tents. And I was like, you know what? Just because you said that, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to make tents (laughs) even harder now. (laughs) So, so how's that? So like, okay, let's think through that then, because uh, my friend Scott is always talking about how in the old Testament and the church needs to recover. Like, you know, you have of the 12 tribes, you have the Levites and you have like an 8% of group and even a smaller group within the Levites that are called to temple service. And he uses that as like an example of, you know, some of your best men, the best men in the church, they're just being in pastoral ministry, being on the elder team is just not going to be their thing. And that is okay. Like you, you don't, it's not the uh, a team always that's uh, you know, you can have a team business owners that are, are guys that love Jesus and absolutely go out and just do incredible things using the gifts that God has given them and walking in the good works that God's prepared for them to walk in. And so as far as like, uh, let's just throw around some words. I know that you and I come from charismatic backgrounds. And so like fulfillment. All right. Like, so you're now at Heritage, right? You're at Heritage, Heritage Baptist. Is that where you're at? Yeah. We start the uh, new members class this next Sunday, actually. Okay, great. Yeah. Great, great church. I mean, Pastor Ted, I'm very grateful that I got to know him before he passed away and uh, only a few times, but got to talk to him and, and boy, just, a, I mean, such a patriarchal just godly man that just, uh, just a great dude and great church that you're a part of. Do you have that desire at all? And, you know, in your heart to, do you want to be an elder again at some point, or do you want to pursue that at some point? Or is it, I know that this is where God has me and I'm loving it and I'm going to do this, you know, for the long haul. Yeah, no, I, I have no desire. And I've, there's been a couple of times in the last several years where people have asked me to think about it. I have no desire. I, I really don't. Um, I wish I had a good answer for why um, that was very like spiritual and highfalutin, you know, a term that's been thrown around in our, on our denomination a lot in the last, you know, 10 years, but I, I just don't, I, I don't feel called to do that. And I even, I've even gotten asked to help out with worship um, since moving. And I just, I have no desire to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. At least not right now. Um, you know, maybe fill in on guitar lead, you know, every now and then I'll eventually get to that stage, but I just don't, I don't know what it is. I just don't feel called. 
and I don't feel like I'm being rebellious or, um, you know, I don't, I'm not convicted over it. I, yeah. I feel like the right. Lord wants me to just focus on my family and provide and do good graphic design. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it should be a, a striving of every man to want to be the kind of man that's qualified to be an elder with the exception of the aspiration for it. So like the yeah. first qualification is if anyone desires to be aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble task like that. That is godly ambition for the for that work. And I think every Christian man should desire to be above reproach, the husband of one wife. And the, as the list goes. But there's going to be guys that don't, you know, we got a guy in our church that we see him as a qualified elder and we've approached him multiple times and we've stopped doing that because it's been made clear. He doesn't have that, uh, the aspiration for that. And um, mm -hmm. so in, in that sense, you know, the, the kind of man that we are to be should be across the board, the same thing. We all want to be Christian men that are honorable men that, you know, character wise are qualified, but you know, there, there is fulfillment outside of not every Christian man is going to have that desire or aspiration for, for being an elder. It's just, just the way it is. Do you think it could possibly be like a time that's on the shelf, maybe one day or, or you just don't know? I just don't know. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe I just don't know. Uh, problem is, is there's a culture with, young men especially formed vein of you know evangelism or whatever we want to call it nowadays you know but it's we get these guys they become christians um and they're all i mean they're they're new believers and they're cage stagey at the exact same time mm -hmm. and it gets a little crazy am i cutting up no you're good okay and it uh, because they instantly think, oh, I'm called to ministry. And it's like, why do you think you're called to ministry? And you'll talk to them. It's like, oh, I shared the gospel with someone for the first time. And it's like, yeah. dude, you're just doing what you're supposed to. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and so I that is my story if I'm being completely transparent. Uh, I was saved at a, at a young age. However, you know, when you become reformed, you feel like scales are pulled off of your eyes and you feel like you're converted, you know, for the second. And at that point, you know, I was like, well, Hey, I'm, I'm really passionate about uh, ministry and worship leading. And I love talking theology. I guess I'm called to be a pastor. And, and again, like God's left out of my mind as I'm explaining this, but from like a human perspective, I, I just don't know. I don't even know what to think of the the path and the journey that the Lord's had me on um, mm -hmm. because I don't want to say I'm out of his sovereignty, but for now, right. I don't, I don't feel called to that position for now. Yeah. You know, I think it's important for every pastor to realize, because I talk a lot about pastoral failures and finish, finishing ministry. Well, getting to formal retirement, retirement age, being a man who hasn't had a moral failure. And I've got these, these like four qualifications or five qualifications for, for finishing well, even though we, you know, are going to continue to do ministry until the day we die. Um, mm -hmm. But Martin Lloyd-Jones has a great book on preaching. It's called Preaching and Preachers. And I've talked a lot about it on the show. But one of the things he talks about in there is about how the call to preach is the greatest, most noble, highest, great, all the stuff call that any man could ever be called to. And it is really tweetable. It, it sounds great. But it's one of the primary objections I have in the book. I have, a, I have just a few objections in the book. But for me, 
this is the primary area that men fail is that they think that's true. They think that the highest call is in all of life is this call of pastoral ministry. And, you know, I, I want to be the kind of man and, and encourage other men to be the kind of men that you're, I mean, my goodness, you're the areas of failure are these stories of men that have so been consumed in the work of ministry, quote unquote ministry, really good things that they end up uh, having so much time away from their family, or they get such a big head because they are the visionary that has all the answers and they're the expert of the congregation about what we need to do, or they're the prophet or they're the CEO or fill in the blank, whatever it is. And uh, it just got me thinking, you know, like, man, being a Christian is a whole lot better than being a pastor. And my thought was, if I got some random shot at the jugular as I'm preaching one day and never was able to speak again, or was never able to preach again, you know, would I be okay with that? And the answer to that better be, yeah, like, yeah, I'd be okay. I mean, like, that'd be a bummer. I'd really, it's a bummer. I can't talk anymore, but I'm a Christian man before I'm a pastor. And then I'm a father and I mean, I'm a husband and a father and and all these things. And uh, I think men have to be secure in the fact that our identity now, if that desire, if that, that burning desire, and we could have conversations about internal calls and external calls to ministry and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but you have to be who you are in Christ before you're anything else. And I think that's true across the board. And, you know, I think when your priorities are in line like that, you can be like you are Joe, where you're like, okay, I I don't have to be in ministry to live a, a successful life that honors the Lord and that has proper priorities and really have fulfillment as well. I can have a really good time when the world's burning down around me, I can have a great time and laugh my way through it with my family and, uh, and have joy building a business. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. To kind of add to that, we, uh, I was talking to a really good friend of mine. He's a pastor and they had this guy, uh, come to, come to church and he'd been visiting for a little bit and he's an awesome dude. So I'm not, you know, running anybody down, but it's, you know, I love John Piper and I love Matt Chandler and my good friend who was his pastor looked at him and he said, if you do not end up having a church the size of Matt Chandler's and you have a seminary degree and you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, will you be content? And he said, no, he said, no. And I think like, and not again, not trying to run the guy down, but I think we have to have a better idea of biblically where contentment is found Mm. and, and make sure that it's, it's Christ. Right. We have everything in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to have that perfectly. You know, every single day I, I wake up as a self-employed person, you know, run into the PO box. Hey, have the invoices been paid yet? Hey, mm-hmm. you know, is this yeah. coming in? It's like, my wife's like, are we content? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's, you know? a que- here's a question for you. And this is just on the fly because this is something I've wrestled with because a part of me resonates with how that guy answered. Like, not in the sense that, I mean, if I'm obeying the Lord and I'm, I am in Christ Jesus and you know, I, at this point in my life, I wouldn't want to pastor a huge church like that. It, it's just a different stage of life. But there's got to be contentment and godly ambition. I think uh, somebody that we both knew is, at one point talked a little bit about this, uh, Dave Harvey. And uh, a little there, bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, a little bit. Chest hair, gold chain. Um, and there, there's uh, how do you balance that? Because for you we've got to be content. I mean, we, Paul learned the secret to be content and yet 
you know, you got a business that you want to work hard at and you want it to see, you know, you want it to grow and build. You want to pay this 25 acres off and be able to give it to Theo or, or your daughter or their, their kids or something like that one, one day. So let's just uh, spitfire back and forth a little bit. Like, how do you in life as a Christian man, how do you balance contentment and ambition? That's a really good question. I, it, I guess the thing with me, if, if we are to do all things to the glory of God, I think at the very foundational level, by doing all things to the glory of God, it is doing things to the best of our ability okay. as if we are doing it. Um, growing up, there was this one lady at our church in, in Alaska, and she would get up and she would always sing the song before, um, you know, during the offertory. I don't think churches really oh, do that much anymore. The, the she would do the special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, I couldn't stand it. My dad couldn't stand <laughs> it. Um, and she was one of those that she would get up there and talk for like 20 minutes on how the Lord gave her this song. And then she'd get done singing it. And my dad would like nudge me and be like, well, you need to give it back. You know, uh, like one of those right, situations. Right. Um, but then my mom would say, well, you know, her heart's in the right place. Uh-huh. It's her heart that matter. And I think that that can be applicable, but at some point, can it be distracting or is it actually like benefiting people? Uh And I think as Christians, part of our ambition should be to do all things as if we are doing it to the glory of God, but also benefiting our neighbor. Mm -hmm. So when I am going out and trying to grow my business and provide clients with really good branding, I want to provide them with branding that actually helps them compete in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So for me, ambition is making sure that my skill set is continually so that I can, even though they're my client in this context, I can say I'm loving my neighbor well by making sure that they're getting their money's worth or even more than what their money is because I'm providing them with branding that's going to compete in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think our culture, like our society has seen ambition as kind of the, you know, go around, eat everybody else's lunch. Right. But really, I think as Christians, we can see ambition through the lens of, how can we grow in our skill sets and how can we be successful in a way that ultimately is loving our neighbors and providing benefit to our clients? Okay. Then let's add this. Okay. Cause, sorry, cause you're thinking this is, this is new. Cause I, I have thought about this a little bit for a while, um, but it's not coming together like this. Okay. So ambition, you know, there's godly ambition, there's selfish ambition. That's clear. Like godly ambition would be, I'm striving toward the goal. You know, I, I want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ today. I want to live uh, for the glory of God. And, uh, you know, I want to enjoy him forever. Okay. So there, there we go. I want to do what God's called me to do. Um, and I want it to be for the good of neighbor. So I want it to be beneficial to those around me. So then let's add this piece in. Okay. As you're working hard unto the Lord, there's got to be a contentment with what the Lord does and the the result of that. And so some people, uh, are some, somehow capable of, it seems like everything they touch does turn to gold where, it's business venture after business venture, investment after investment that ends up reaping massive reward. Others mm-hmm. work really hard and don't get the exact same results. But I think for for all of us in life and ministry, same thing with ministry. You can do ministry in almost exact same way, one place, and you know for a decade see little to no numeric or measurable growth, and then continue to do things the exact same way. And all of a sudden, God is bringing a lot of new people in, and, and there's fruit, and there's numeric growth or spiritual growth. So it's wide and deep and all this kind of stuff. So may, maybe that, that combination of things is 
work for the glory of God and the good of others. Be content with what God does with it. Which is why, and I could have added this too, um, which is why my company is named what it is. Uh, it's Decree Design Co. And I named it from a very get-go knowing that this business will be only as successful as the Lord has decreed. So it's basically this concept of like making sure that my business operation was always falling underneath, you know, a recognition of, of God's sovereignty over even my work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. So yeah, no, it's totally, it's totally accurate what you're saying. Cool. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and then we'll wrap things up here after this. You're working in an office space. I would have guessed that you're working out of your home. So how does that work with, uh, I know you've got flexibility, your own boss, so you can move in and out of your home into the office space or whenever you want to do that. Uh, so how does family life being a business owner and having the office space there? Uh, why not just office from home? Is it a very intentional reason that you have your office in the place that you have it, you know, run us through all that. Yeah. Um, I've had an office from home pretty much since I started there for a while. I rented a space in downtown Louisville. Um, it's just the Chelsea's homeschooling now. And um, although most of my time has been in an office space at home where I can shut the door and work free from distraction, you know, Emery's older, she's walking around now. Um, school's going on, you know, we're trying to get through that, get through kindergarten. Um, and we're doing, cause we're doing like portion in the summer right now so that we can start first grade. And uh it's just a lot of distractions for me. I'm easily distracted. And even though I've got three office mates, you know, everyone can have their headphones in. Everyone's a business owner. Everyone's got yeah. work to do, but I try and have a good balance between, Hey, because I'm self-employed, Hey, I can go to the doctor's appointment with you or, Hey, I can go grocery shopping with you. Yeah. Hey, I can do this. But when I'm, when I'm at the office, I'm at the office. And um, whereas maybe some, some people need eight to 10 hours of intense focus, I can get a good four to six hours and then clock out early and go. But one thing that's cool on the property, um, they've got a storage container, one of those, the big ones. Oh yeah. 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 And so I'm going to be renovating that into yeah. an office space. So I'll walk out of the house and go over to my, my YouTube worthy office space. <laughs> nice. You, you got to make it YouTube worthy. Um, so I've got to show you something here real quick. I'm going to show you a picture of my brother-in-law um, because you look just like him. And I want the, the listeners and the watchers to be able to see this. It's uh, unbelievable. The resemblance is for years. Okay. I'm going to show you a picture right now and I'm, I'm going to prove it. Um, if I can find one, it's all it's level seven motorsports on Instagram. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law is a builder of really like really high end, I mean, you've got to have like multi-million dollars, I mean, to build these cars. I mean, it's just unbelievable amount of money that, that people spend on this. Um, so here is a, uh, so there's a picture, everybody, if you can see it, I'm going to get the, get the uh, focus here. Not even. <laughs> Dude, he does. His, his head's a little rounder. His head's a little rounder, but hold on. I've, I've got to find, but it's, un, it's just uncanny. Um. I can't find, they're all videos instead of uh, pictures, but there's a picture. So right now he's got the red beard if it was a little bit longer. So, but of course, man, I mean, you, you've got him a little bit. You're just a little bit better looking. So, um, all right. So let's go back to the office thing. Uh, the office thing can be challenges. I think there's challenges both ways. Like you're, you know, 
in ministry, I office from home intentionally and, you know, guys have side hustles or, or whatever it may be, but there's advantages, disadvantages of uh, different offices. That's certainly the case, but, uh, um, but yeah, that's interesting. I think it'll be cool for you to be able to get a, uh, one of those, the, uh, not storage unit. What is it? It's the, what do you call it? It was a, uh, that you're going to get in your property that's already there. It, n- no, it's it's like the legit like freight storage freight, container. Freight, yeah, the freight storage container. And, yeah. and that's the thing that people are building houses out of and stuff right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that's a cool thing. And the flexibility to be able to go and be with your family and go to the doctor's office, that kind of thing. That's one of the things I'm encouraging going to as our kids get older is, man, work for yourself, employ other people and do what you can. Even if you go and you're a doctor, you're still working for other people. You're at the mercy of... I mean, Dr. Fauci, for goodness sake, you're at the mercy from everybody pretty much as a, you know, even as like an engineer or some high end jobs, if you can work for yourself and employ people, man, there's flexibility there. That's, that's pretty great. But, um, but anyways, all right, man, I've got one more question for you. I always ask this at the end of my interviews and the whole reason I do this, I think everybody gets this by now, but we love God's grace and we love God's sovereign grace and we want to see him glorified and honored with the work of our hands and the words of our mouth, meditations of our heart. And we want all those things to be acceptable in his sight. And I asked the question, why do you love Jesus so much? Because I'm expecting everybody I interview to be like, cause God's been gracious to me. And, uh, and so I expect nothing less from you. I, I just want to hear Joe Hearn, you know, brother, why do you love Jesus? And why do you work for his glory and honor? Well, I love Jesus because he first loved me. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's that, I, you know, and I know it sounds cliche cause I can't, I can't really answer it any differently, but I can put it in my own words. Um, first and foremost, he's provided rest, eternal rest. You know, he's, he has provided cover from his wrath. So I'm forgiven. It's all by grace through faith. I mean, I, I am a worm as one, uh, one, church father said, you know, um, but he's, I mean, he has, he's been gracious to me. I love because he has first loved me and I work to the glory of God because if I'm supposed, if I'm supposed to be a light to the darkness in this world and, and carry that gospel forward, I can only hope that if he has sovereignly called me to be a graphic designer, then mm. the message of his grace can go forward through that. Yeah. Good stuff, man. That's awesome. Why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find more information about you and the, I mean, from individuals to business owners to churches, who all can reach out to you and where they can find you? Yeah, uh, I keep my personal account kind of on lockdown. I don't let too many people follow on that. But if you kind of want to connect with what I'm doing from a business perspective, um, at Decree Design CO. Um, it's just at D E C R E E design C O. And then, uh, so that's on Instagram. And then, um, my website is decreedesign.co. And I'm starting to experiment with this really cool thing called uh public square. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, it's, I think he's got connections to the red balloon guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Crappy sure. shirts guy. I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, I'm kind of seeing where that goes. It's a bunch of freedom loving businesses and business owners and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but the main places are going to be my website, my Instagram, 
I don't have a huge Instagram following. All of my work is word of mouth referral and website second is where most of the, the inquiries come from. But yeah, you can check out my work on there, see what I'm doing and um, send me a direct message on on Instagram or joe at decreedesign.com. And uh, yeah, so there's a difference between my email address, that's .com, and then my web address is .co. Okay, gotcha. Well, we'll put that in the show notes, guys. We've been talking to Joe Hearn. Joe, man, it was fun. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Oh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. For more information on the show, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Also, if you would like to support, you can support, and we would really appreciate it.